The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Working. On this show, we talk to leaders who have a significant impact on how we work and how we live. My guest today is the one and only Ray Dalio. Ray has joined me on the show a few times. It's been five years since he launched his best-selling book, Principles. The book started as a PDF, a way to respond to controversy about how he managed Bridgewater, his wildly successful hedge fund. His management technique found fans well beyond Wall Street, nabbing more than 3 million downloads. And Ray's voice was soon in demand. He's published viral books and video series based on his ideas. And now Ray is out with a new journal specifically designed for people who want to craft their own guiding principles. I asked Ray which principles resonate most with the fans he meets and with people he hears from online. Here's our conversation. The book is really intended to deal with the subject of having principles. Principles are ways of dealing with the realities that you encounter that work. So every successful person has principles that work. They're their formulas for success. And then it passes along my own principles. And so as far as the reactions go, many people have come up to me and said, it's changed my life. Thank you very, very much. And then, um, you know, what are the most important principles? One principle is pain plus reflection equals progress. Uh, It explains the ideas of um, getting a truth. What is true? Getting past egos, getting open-mindedness, how you yourself don't have to have all the answers if you can do that, how you can draw it in, what the life cycle is like. It's a bunch of things like that. And then it uh, encourages people to um, write down their own principles. When you start to think in that way, you realize everything happens over and over again for the same reasons almost. If you're a parent, you're not the first time to be a parent. And then you can look at principles of how to do that well. For that reason also, I'm encouraging other people to do that. The two things that I did in my life that I would say were the most impactful was uh, first, learn how to meditate. That gives me an equanimity that helps a lot. And then um, thinking about principles, uh, that whenever I would encounter something, um, most importantly, painful things, but anything, that I would um, reflect on realities that happened and my interactions with it. And then I would write down the principles. So I started to do that also in the company because I needed to communicate with other people. Why am I doing it? What is this crazy place like? And why are we doing it that way? So I want to encourage people to do that. That's also why I put out a, a journal just recently. A lot of people asked me to uh, help them write their own principles, so I just put out a journal. I would encourage meditation, and I would also encourage the writing down their principles. And I'm going to be creating an app that will take the best principles of the most successful people. I'm lucky I get to know a lot of successful people, but even people, common uh, common people, they will submit their principles. People will vote up the best principles for whatever it is as a help for dealing with their realities. Well, let's take both of those um, ideas of yours and kind of dig into them. First one on meditation. 
feel like I hear about this some in different sectors, Silicon Valley, a lot of interest in meditation. You don't hear about it a lot on Wall Street. Why do you believe that meditation is so important or what has it done for you that you feel like has, has changed how you approach life? I started to do it in 1969. So what is that, uh, 54 years or something? Anyway, a long time. Yeah. I believe because of the impact. And, and by the way, um, nobody would talk about it because there was a time where uh, I would meditate or, you know, and I'd tell people, you meditate? And I'd like, you're open that you meditate? Nowadays, it's more like, what? You don't meditate? Right. <laughs> it's switched, right? I think that there's a, uh, it's essential. It's so helpful for so many reasons. First of all, it gives you this equanimity, um, equanimity, the centeredness. So when stuff is coming at you fast and so on, it's like in the ninja movies. You know, if, if you watch the ninja movies, there's this quick fighting, and then it seems like they go to slow motion. Mm -hmm. Because for the ninja, it's like slow motion. There's a calmness that when things come at you, you have that calmness so that you can deal with it. So it's so effective in the markets and operating that way. And it also is good for your health and your thinking. Because if you have all of that so much, you have to go into the peace and the, and the quiet. And it aligns the intellect with the emotion, because there are two parts of our brains, you know? There's the um, conscious, logical part of our brain, and then there's the subconscious, emotional part of our brain. And that part of our brain drives us. And so by just aligning them and getting that equanimity, it's a great power. So uh, yes, it, it helped. I'm a Wall Street guy. I mean, I'm an investment guy who's got to deal with that blizzard of stuff to come in. And I just recommend it so highly. You just carve out the time and you do it. Uh, yeah, I, like I have a people ask me about this. Like uh, when they say, I don't have it, the time to meditate. It's just too crazy. I said, then you need to meditate twice as much <laughs> because what it does all through the day, it gives you time, really. It gives you that equanimity because everything's better. All right, now let's talk about the other part, which is principles, writing down your principles, understanding how you see the world. In your new journal, you say that you think that having, understanding your principles or having principles can save you something like 100,000 decisions. I don't know if it's 100,000 decisions in a lifetime or 100,000 decisions in a year. What did you mean by that and how does that work? What I mean by that is that most people look at a lot of things that are coming at them as these individual things. Lots of these things coming at you every day. How many decisions do we make in a day? Yeah. When you start to think in principles, you think differently. You see that the thing that is coming at you, you say, what species is it? And how do I deal with that species, mm -hmm. right? So you don't see them as all these individual things that are coming back, that blizzard that you're in. You just see, ah, that's that, and here's how I deal with that. So it's much, much less stuff coming at you, and you have that orderly way of dealing with it. Does pattern matching start becoming a problem here where you don't recognize something as being novel because you just say, this fits in with an X, with X principle I already have, so I'm gonna deal with it this way? Um, no, let me, let me explain what it's like. Something new comes at you, so then you think, what is that new thing? What is that new species? Mm -hmm. What is it like? How does it relate to other things? How should I deal with it? 
it means thinking about it rather than just responding to it. If you know what I mean. Yeah. I don't know if I'm being clear. But it means that you have to be able to recognize when something is new. I don't think it's difficult. I think that as you start to think, did anybody do this before? Mm -hmm. Has it happened to anybody before? Let's say your new parent, your new, whatever it is. I don't know. In my crazy place, right? How do we, how do you hire? How do you fire somebody? How do you handle those circumstances? What's the best way? When you look at it that way and you write it down, then that gives you clarity and gives everybody else a clarity. What's the choice? The choice is that you don't do that. You don't think about that. So it changes your way of thinking so that you step back and you, you know, it's this thing. Here's reality. Here's how reality works. How do I deal with it? Religion is principles, right? In other words, when you think any religion, any philosophy, they're all principles. A religion is how do you approach life? What is your way for this thing or that? The skills that you're approaching. But it is for you to understand those things, reflect on them. You can make your own, right? Right. Because your principles and the way you live your life will be essentially your real religion. But another piece of this is not that you just have your own principles, but that you share them with others too, right? I've been, boy, I think yeah. one of your beliefs is that everyone should know each other's principles. Well, I don't want to make any shoulds like you have to, but here are the benefits of it. First, when I share my principles, I can also say, are they right or wrong? Are these the ones we can live by? Let's say in a company, that's a culture. How you're going to do something makes up the organization's culture. And so when we communicate and we say, here's how I would do this thing, and here's why, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Is there a better principle? Should we change it? Should we modify it? Because we just want to produce the best results to achieve our goals, and we want to do that in common. So that exchange, and also we understand each other better. Okay, what is most important to you, and how do you go get it? And what's most important to you? And then you could see, are people walking the talk, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that makes a clarity. Because if you're going to have a good relationship with a spouse, a significant other, a parent, a child, a friend, whatever, there has to be alignment. Some things could be different. But I think that clarity. If we think about our country right now, you know, okay, I, I think, what are the principles that bind us together? And what are the principles that divide us? And is that clear? Can we go beyond that? Not just the decisions, but the principles, Mm -hmm. okay? Right, if you agree on principles, then everything else kind of can fall into line. Yes. Okay. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, more with Ray Dalio. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming healthcare technology. From artificial intelligence to robotics and beyond, health tech is reinventing what's possible. Every year, Medtronic improves the lives of 74 million people, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. And we're back. Ray has spent a lifetime building his principles. For investment purposes, he takes a 500-year view of the world. But that global view, I would think, could get in the way of managing minutia. 
I asked Ray how to think about making your way through the ups and downs of markets and life. Here's Ray. It's it's the same. Everything that happens happens because of causes that make it happen. And so if you step back and you look at the patterns of things happening, like uh, like a doctor who you know has a long career and sees many cases, you you begin to understand the patterns and you understand the cause effect relationships. So the answer to that is it's just a f- function of how the machine works, you know, the cause effect relationships that ha- keep having these dominoes happen. And if you step back and you look at that, uh, how does reality work, and particularly your reality? So my realities are the markets, the economy, how does that work? Understand those cause effect relationships. Understand the timeless and universal principles. There are three big things that are happening now that never happened in my lifetime before, never happened in our lifetimes before. Those three things are an enormous amount of uh, debt production, debt creation, and the monetization of that debt. Um, Second, Large internal conflicts of populism of the left and populism of the right brought about by the largest wealth def- and wealth gaps and values gaps that we've had since 1900. This is all measurable. And then third, greatest amount of external conflict due to the first time in our lifetimes, a rising power or rising powers becoming comparable to the United States in, or the world, great world power to produce the conflicts that we're in. Now, when I look at that, my instinct is then to say, okay, I need to see the patterns. So what I did is then I went back and I studied, I studied the last 500 years of history. I'm not an academic trying to write academically, but I needed to understand those patterns and the cause-effect relationships to deal with what's happening now. So the answer to your question, I think, is to understand the cause-effect relationships because the causes happen before the effects. And if you understand the causes and the effects that they're going to have, you're going to be able to be in a better position than if you don't. Well, you're in a better position, but when you're taking a 500-year view of the world, it means stepping out of the emotional day-to-day. I mean, you might be able to say, like, here's the causes and here's the effect. I understand what's going on. But there's also the personal aspect of saying, I might be laid off, or I'm going to have to lay off people in my company, or inflation is going to wipe out my savings. So how do you balance that idea of understanding the big picture while also dealing with the kind of gut-level fear or instant reaction that you might want to have of what's happening around you? Okay. I hear you asking two things, the 500-year perspective, which I'll address, and then you're in a situation, how do you deal with it? As far as the 500-year, it's that in order to find something that is happening now, you have to have seen the analogous case. The the reason we anticipated the 2008 financial crisis and did great in 2008 when most didn't is because we studied the uh, 1930s period. The first time I made a mistake on the, I was clerking on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange in 1971 and um, Nixon gets on the television and tells everybody that they're severing the relationship with gold and you don't get the gold and we're gonna print the money. And I was surprised at the reaction. I found the exact same thing happened on March 5th, 1933 and for the same reasons. So that period of time, what's happening now has not happened in our lifetime, so you have to understand it. It affects us this year, now, not because of a 500 year. 
Now, as far as your question about the emotional or that, it's the same thing. Like, if you can step back, I've had, we've had, all of us, deep emotional experiences, um, whatever they are, they are part of life. And the question, as you look at that, is to how to remain calm and to go above yourself and to see yourself within the context of your situation and how to navigate that in the best possible way. And that's why I say uh, uh, meditation and the ability to think at the principle level, because you will get through it. You will get through it almost always until the end. But when you step back and you can see that, that'll help you to get through it in the best possible way. So yes, you, 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 look, you're gonna have you, almost everybody, but not everybody. We'll have a bed to sleep in, we'll have food to eat, we'll have whatever the relationships and so on, and, and life will be difficult. But how you go through that will affect it so much. It's the most important thing. So to step above it and to have the principles. And like also one of my principles is that in order, for me at least, and I think for most people, to have a successful life, you have to have meaningful work and meaningful relationships. So when I think about those things, how you tap into those meaningful relationships and the meaningful work, that provides some element of a guidance. So I think that that stepping back and looking at things and learning the lessons of history to learn the timeless and universal truths, the timeless and universal principles, very powerful. Uh, that's great. I love, we're all going to get through this, almost always get through this. That is great, uh, great advice. I know you've been an AI watcher and an AI proponent for a very long time. You've thought about it in relation to how Bridgewater can use AI to make very smart investment decisions. Have you been watching the explosion recently of some of the latest generative AIs and how all the questions coming up about how it's going to change industries? Is this just something we've seen before or is this entirely new? How do you process the generative AI movement? Yeah, I want to clarify um, something about AI and then computer decision making and then I'll, and then I'll answer your uh, question and what we did. Um, what I learned that we never would have been su successful, I never would have been successful without, was to take the written principles of how do I deal with the situation and to convert them into a, an algorithm. So that, because that's what our brain does. Our brain has criteria. Um, a computer uh, can take input like our brain can, but it has real advantages to being able to process much more information much more quickly and much less emotionally. So I and Bridgewater uh, created um, like computer chess, think about a computer chess game, uh, computer decision making that reflects our thinking and our criteria and it operates in parallel like, a, like playing chess with a computer chess game next to you. And we've done that all through and AI began in 1953 in its various uh, forms, um, and so it evolved. There is, um, AI is also acquainted with m machine learning. Okay, so now it's important to distinguish two things. Machine uh, following patterns and following whether those patterns will persist in the future. I think that I wanna distinguish between what is called an expert system, taking your criteria and putting it in, 
and also AI, which produces a lot of data and produces then the output of what you should do. The gap between those two things is understanding. So if, uh, and I'll just to hit the highlight quick, um, if the future is different than the past and you don't have understanding, mm -hmm. AI is dangerous. If the, if the future is similar to the past, so you can look at things. If you're doing a surgery, you can have robots do a surgery because that same cutting, that, that same before. action is going to happen the same way. You don't have any problems. That's going to be great. So the power of machine learning to make AI is great, okay? But when you give up the understanding and the, the future is different from the f past, it's, it's a different story. The markets are different, difficult that way because if something is learned, it's not valuable mm -hmm. because everybody does it. So it gets into the price. So it's important to understand the distinction. Yes, I follow actively what's going on in all computer. And I think that it's the greatest force because what's happened in both of those ways, machine learning and uh, also uh, expert systems, is that we have the computer to give us the capacity to learn and transact and operate in a much better way. So when you can learn, at an accelerated way, because that's what progress is about. Productivity comes about by the fastest amount of progress because you know how to do things better. And so the capacity with computer-aided decision-making, so I'll throw both of those in the category of computer-aided decision-making. We are making revolutionary changes in the way that we're going to do things that, are, uh, that man has not seen before. And so it's very, very exciting. That's great. All right. Well, speaking of exciting, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about an announcement you made really right before we sat down to do this, which was that you were giving away uh, $1 million worth of gift cards through Tis Best, which is this nonprofit that gives uh, charity gift cards um, and people can give to their charity of their choice. What made you decide to, to, to do something like this? There's material gifts that people already have too much and, there's, and everybody's plagued with wasteful gift giving and nobody's, a lot of people left out of that. And I had uh, friends who are charitable. So I decided that I was going to give them a donation to their favorite charity. I wouldn't specify what the charity was. I would send them a check with the amount written out and me sign and let them f f fill in that and send in the charity. And I started to do that. And then it occurred to me that it's a much better way. It's an effective way of, of giving. And that brings in uh, a lot of um, benefit. And uh, I, I realized that the amount of money that is given to candy giving at the holidays is greater than the amount of money that is given to the American Heart Association, the American Cancer Society, and the Habitat for Humanity. So that started a while ago. Um, and then um, I'm looking for how the best way to do it rather than the checks. And so we got together with uh, Tis Best and, and so on, and uh, they uh, have, now uh, developed, and we're sort of doing that. We're doing this together. Um, a the equivalent of a gift card that goes to any charity. So it's a very efficient way of doing it. And so what I decided to do, this is started a few years ago, and it's been very successful, is to give away twenty thousand uh, fifty dollar donations. So they're free. No, no 
attachment. Yeah. You can go online, you get it, you donate it to your charity, or you take the gift card and you give it to somebody else as a holiday gift. All right? So that way I get them to experience it. All right? What could go wrong with that? You experience it. I founded that that's going viral, right? And I like that. So that's what the campaign is. And I'm doing it with a, you know, a number of other people. So that's, that's what I'm doing. Great. Uh, Ray, I love to always end these with advice. We've talked a lot about in, in, in the times we've talked of different career advice you have. For people who are first-time managers, I'm wondering whether you have advice for them on how you've gone from being an independent uh, contributor, you've been on your own, you've been climbing the ranks maybe, now you've been moving into management. What have you told managers over the years about how to be great at what they want to do? Well, there's so many things. You know, A lot of them are in the book. But um, uh, first of all, for them to understand how people are different. We're born differently, we're wired differently, we have different preferences and so on. Uh, for each individual, there's a certain nature and then they develop over a period of time to know what those pulls are for and to work and to be truthful around that, to not let the um, ego barrier stand in the way of people knowing what they're like and the truths of that. You have to understand each other, you have to get a truth, you have to know what your strengths and weaknesses are you have to deal with that together in a way that um, you move that forward. And what I've found in one long sentence, for me, um, I want an idea meritocracy, which means the best idea to win out. I want meaningful work and meaningful relationships. I think that makes people rewarded and, and it's most valuable when you're in a mission together and you're... Um, challenging each other and so on, but you're in it together, that's a very powerful force. And I wanna do that through radical truthfulness. Don't let any barriers stand in the way of getting at that truthfulness and radical transparency. So anyway, the sentence is meaningful work and meaningful relationship through radical truthfulness and radical transparency. I think that's most rewarding and I think it's the key to success. That was Bridgewater founder and best-selling author Ray Dalio. To get even more out of this conversation, check out my newsletter on LinkedIn. It's also called This Is Working. Ray encourages people to write their own principles. Now, I never really thought about my life that way, but if I had to pick two principles that have helped me in this last decade, it's one, assume best intentions, and two, to stay passionate but not attached. So what does that last one mean? I think that you should give your all to something, but be okay with switching when something isn't working. So what's yours? What principles do you guide your life by? Let me know on LinkedIn using the hashtag, this is working. Please remember to rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening app and tell a friend or colleague. It helps so much. This is Working is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Sarah Storm with help from Stephen Valdivia, Elias Avalos, Victoria Taylor, and Candace Weiner. Joe DeGiorgi mixes our show. Courtney Koop is head of original programming. Dave Pond is our head of news production. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you soon.